a nice reminder anytime you think someone has more than you or they must be this much happier or at the end of the day, exactly. everyone poops. And has to wipe their butts. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. Let's talk about things that you wish you knew because we didn't just get there where we are right now, but looking back, what are some things that you wish you knew? We just got back from a long short trip. Both are back in the studio. Plus you worked with a couple of other people together on that mural, right? I did. I uh, hired two of my students as painting assistants. See, this is amazing. This is where you get to interact and, and work with people that you have taught. And I got to go to a workshop and, and see some of my followers, some people who have been following me for a very long time. And I got to say, it feels unreal that we get to do this. It is kind of surreal now that, you know, just five years ago, I was getting my business off the ground and not quite sure what I was doing. And now, you know, people will fly me out to go speak or paint murals or do projects. And it's uh, pretty amazing. I'm very grateful. And I know you are I too. I am definitely too. You are going to speak at the Adobe Max conference, which is probably one of the biggest conference. Well, it is pr definitely the biggest creative conference out there. So that's a huge milestone. But Lauren, let's talk about things that you wish you knew. Oh, man. <laughs> Well, my, my outlook has always been, you know, everything is an experiment. So even when I was starting out, I, I was very forgiving with myself because I didn't really know what I was doing and I figured I would just learn for the next time. But of course, there are things that looking back now, I wish I could go back and tell myself. Um, I remember someone asking me in an interview one time, do you have any like regrets? Like what would you do differently? And my answer to that question is always, I wouldn't do anything differently because I wouldn't have learned from that experience, even if I messed up or I would, I wouldn't know everything that I know now had I not done exactly what I had mm -hmm. done over the last five years. But if I could go back in time, it's mostly, it's less like strategic stuff and mostly kind of how things feel and uh, like mindset stuff. I wish I had known that I wasn't in such a hurry and that, you know, I think a lot of times younger creatives, myself included, are in a rush to be mm -hmm. the next Jessica Hish or like you mentioned, Louise Feely, um, Steph uh, Stefan Sagmeister. Um, and it seems like you're not going fast enough or you're not doing all the right things. But those people spent a long time on their careers to get to where they are. And what I wish I knew, too, is that once you do hit those conventional success markers of, you know, I remember when I broke $100,000, you know, from freelance work, I was so uh, excited and surprised and, you know, I couldn't believe it. And I used to think that, oh, once I make this much money or once I, you know, have this many followers or once I've worked with these big name clients, I'll have made it. And once I make it, I will not have any imposter syndrome and I won't ever get creative block and I won't ever doubt myself. You know, once I level up, things will be easy because mm -hmm. I have everything that I've ever wanted. And that is totally not the case. <laughs> as you and I both know that things do get easier or smoother in a sense, but every new level that you reach or every new milestone that you hit comes with a whole other bag of things to figure out and uh, you know problems to work through. I, like you mentioned, I'm speaking at Adobe Max in November and it's the biggest creative conference I've ever spoken at. You know, some of my design idols. Most of my design idols have spoken there um, and will be speaking there this year. 
And it just feels like a big moment. But with that comes all of this, like, you know, can I hold my own with everybody else? And like, I've never spoken at a conference that big. What if I mess up? Like getting nervous, you know, public speaking wasn't something that I had intended to do from the get-go. It just kind of happened because I made cool work that people wanted to write about and then hear me talk about. But I wish I could go back in time and tell myself like, everything's fine. Like go at your own pace, Um, like honor the pace because there's really no rush to get to the finish line because the finish line isn't like all sunshine and rainbows. Like I thought it would be when I was 21. (laughs) Yeah. This is, this is a great thing, great topic to talk about, like not being in a rush. I totally feel the same way when we talk about accomplishing things. Like I want to be like, I'm, I'm super competitive when it comes to that. So, and I'm not just competitive with others. I'm competitive with myself. Like I try to be, be better every time. And, (laughs) and you have these, these idols that you look up to, um, not necessarily idols, but also just like people who have been in the industry, like you said, and you wonder like, if I ever reach, will I ever reach this, this pinnacle? Will I ever reach that? And I, and I guess even people think, maybe even think the same thing about us where they say like, oh, if I only, like I read that sometimes in comments, I wish I would be only as good as you are. Mm-hmm. And I see like, well, if you are as as good as me, uh, which you can be, it's not that hard. It just takes time maybe or practice. You have another level that you want to reach. Like, I feel like if you win the gold medal in, in, in the Olympics, it, like you're not just going to stop and sit down and feel like, you know what? I've achieved things. I can rest now. Like the only person I've I've heard this from was one of the Formula One drivers. Uh, he won the grand title, like, and he stopped mm-hmm. driving after that. Like he said, like that's the the one goal I had, and after that I quit. Like he set himself a timeline. He did what he wanted to achieve, and then he stopped doing it. That's so interesting. That reminds me of the phrase like, you know, leave the party while you're still having fun. Yes. That's incredible. They could do that. Yeah. Like we're able to stick to that. I, and I am like hmm. thinking of where, maybe where is my pinnacle? Where is my thing where I should say, say like, you know what? It's time for me to say goodbye, to, to quit maybe while I'm ahead or while I'm doing this. But right now at this time, like, I feel like I'm, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Adobe yes. uh, in Germany and the, uh, they came to me and asked me like, can you create three posts for us all around the topic of one thing I wish I knew? And so that's kind of why I wanted to talk about this with you is because I had a long time to think about that. And yeah, relax was probably the biggest thing that I still have to work on that mm-hmm. I feel like, you know what? What are your things? I kind of want to achieve all these these milestones right now. I like I would love to be at Adobe Max this year too. And I cannot like wait 5 years to to reach that. I thought the the Times Square piece that would only come in like 5 years. So I'm I'm there like, oh, now now this happened. So what's next? Um there are a lot of things where I felt like I I kind of want to happen this year. And I don't leave room for next year or I don't like I'm not Mm -hmm. as patient with myself in these areas. So relax is definitely something that I wish somebody or I could tell myself, like if somebody told me earlier on saying, you know what, a career goes for 40 years or something, you got to be patient. You got to stick it out for the the marathon, the long run instead of just the the sprint and and think about this like for your health for mm-hmm. your sanity, for your mental health as well. 
um, just so you know that you are not in, in a hurry, you can still do this uh, as you go on and you can still achieve like great success as long as you keep going at a good pace. Yeah, I totally agree. I think you can be ambitious and, you know, set goals for yourself and you can always be working towards something without beating yourself up for not going fast enough. I think that's the most important part. I think the same thing happens when I was just talking with some students the other day about how overthinking happens a lot to creative people. I've definitely been there before. And I think that would be something I would go back and tell myself too, is thinking is good until it yeah. stops you from doing, then it's not helpful anymore. And you're overthinking. And I do wish, you know, I knew that Critical thinking is good, but if it's stopping me from taking action, I've probably gone too far. The same way, you know, you can be ambitious, but when your drive and that ambition causes you to beat yourself up uh, emotionally for not going fast enough because you're comparing yourself to all the superstars that you look up to, then it's not helpful either. And so I totally agree with you that I wish I could go back and tell myself, like, your pace is fine too. Like too much thinking is overthinking and that can stop you from doing mm -hmm. something. And the same way is like if you have too much of a drive, if you are too uh, ambitious, you're more likely to burn down your bridges that you have built yeah, trying so out. fast. But then, yeah, like people take time, like networking takes time, building the right relations takes time. And so I look at myself sometimes and I just think, wow, I should have been more patient here. I, I was just thinking of right now, at this moment, how I feel. If I could have taken a step back, I should have, I would have um, later on. And I could have prevented of doing bigger mistakes or, like I said, burning down bridges that I shouldn't have. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I, I think mm. a lot of the things I wish I knew were kind of mental things inside your head. Um, strategically, it's just... You know, every I get it. We're we're all ambitious and we're working towards something, and it's a good thing. But yeah, there's so many things. Talking about this from what when I started to what I know now, that I think I had been freelancing for three and a half years, and business had kept getting better and better and better every year with freelance work. And I had heard from people who were like, "Oh, you know, freelance is risky, and you know, you have to prepare for ups and downs." and I just hadn't had any downs yet. And so I was kind of on a high. And when I did have my first like down couple of months, I totally freaked out. And I was like, oh no, like this is the end. I did something wrong. And yeah, mm -hmm. I, I just had to learn that, you know, there are going to be ups and downs that you can't predict and that are out of your control. And what I wish I had known and done earlier actually is to adapt and it's not the end of the world and you can diversify your income streams. Like just because lettering for clients was my, you know, main source of income and my main skill that I marketed, it didn't mean I couldn't get creative and do other things like speaking, teaching workshops, um, doing online classes, selling products, all those things. I, I just realized, I think it would be really helpful for any, anyone listening to talk about what kind of misconception or other misconception we have. Maybe we are not listing them all up and you guys have even more to, to, to talk about. And it would be amazing to hear from you guys. For me, one of the big misconception was like, I've always seen like people like you see suddenly becoming like super popular on Instagram, becoming all these, these mm. getting all these followers. And I always thought like, man, I kind of wish this would happen to me at one point. Like, 
I would wake up and mm-hmm. one of my posts, one of my videos, something that I did was going viral and at, at this pace where it just completely changing my life. Kind of like the yodel kid that just was singing in a Walmart and then suddenly he goes around the world and, <laughs> and now he's on stage. He, he sings around the world and he has millions of followers. But every overnight success was years in the making. The yodel kid, he's been mm-hmm. singing that story for so long. He's been training his voice. He He's worked hard on that. He's been practicing. Um, both you and I, we spend a lot of time drawing. We spend a lot of time thinking, trying to, to explore new possibilities and how to improve ourselves and get better. Uh, I recently started to form this habit, and we talked about that in the last episode. But it's like getting up in the studio like the first thing first, like start drawing and spend time drawing because I realized like the time that I learned the most or that I improved the most was when I kept drawing every day. And so this is something every overnight success was years in the making. It just doesn't come from by an accident or by something viral. Like if it happens, it also means that you've worked on it really long. People will only see the success and will only think like, oh, I want that too. Oh, yeah. You know, you see the nice, shiny, sparkly things. And it's very true. I think I don't know who said it, but I heard a quote one time that was, I think luck is when opportunity meets preparedness, something like that. And the Yodel Kid was uh, just reminded me of that because, like you said, he, he was in the right place at the right time. Someone captured it and it hit the Internet at the right time, too, because that's that's another factor is like when things kind of take hold and spread. You you really never know. And it's kind of out of our control too. But I think like you and I have talked about in this podcast, what is within your control is that practice and is that dedication and is that discipline. And you can control how many hours a day you draw. You can control what you do with your free time. And I mean, I've said this so many times in this podcast too, but it relates to this episode. Like I wish I knew earlier on that I should only focus on what I can control. And obviously easier said than done. Sometimes even now, six years into my career, I still focus on stuff I can't control because it's hard sometimes. But yeah, I I totally agree with that. And there is a lot of hard work that you don't see on the surface of mm-hmm. people's work that you follow. Um, and I think what you said too about, you know, I wish that would happen to me, the overnight success, like especially with Instagram, seeing someone's following kind of blow up. When I started on Instagram and I started using it for my business, I would look at people with 10,000, 30,000, 100,000 or more followers and be like, wow, I wish I had that. It must be so nice and easy and feel good to run, you know, run an account that big. But what I know now on the other side is that, yes, there are a lot of merit to have merits to having a large following and it does feel good to some extent, but it also with it brings up, you mm-hmm. know, how do you manage an audience of a hundred thousand people? Like you might feel even more nervous to post something because there's more at stake. You know, when you have a hundred followers and you post something just for fun, that you know, a hundred people are going to see it, and it's really low risk. But when you are, you know, quote unquote, digitally on stage in front of, in your case, four hundred thousand plus people, it is. There's more pressure, I think, that we put on ourselves now, you mm-hmm. and I, with bigger audiences to make stuff that performs well. And, you know, because we have made stuff that performed well in the past, and that's why we have the followings that we have, 
there's a lot of pressure for every single one of those to be a home run. At least I find myself putting that pressure on myself and I have to step out of it sometimes. But that was one misconception that I had about having large audiences. It wasn't just once you break, you know, a hundred thousand followers, you're like good and like social media is fun and easy and it is fun still, but there's just a new, mm-hmm. every new win or every new milestone comes with new challenges that you have to deal with personally. And, you know, in your business, growth is good. But one thing about over, like, quote unquote, overnight success too, is you might just not be prepared for that influx of followers or messages or emails. Like I remember when I started out too, um, as most of you who have been listening to this podcast and who've been following my work know, I I guess early on in my career, what launched my career was not an overnight success, but it did happen unexpectedly and quickly when I launched Daily Dishonesty in college. You know, all of a sudden I went from a advertising student at the School of Visual Arts to a budding hand lettering artist with, you know, a couple thousand Tumblr followers within the course of a week or two. And then that quickly grew to 10,000, 20,000 and emails coming through being like, I love your work. Can we interview you? Um, Are you available for this project? All good stuff. And like all things that a lot of, a lot of new artists and designers would want, but it also is really overwhelming. Even good problems are still problems. Some, some people say solve one problem, create five more problems. (laughs) Like, you know, you start a business But then suddenly for me, it was like, yes, now I have a new office space, a studio where I can go, where I can be creative. But wait, I need to buy all this furniture. I need to to take care of it. I need to clean it. I need to do all these things. Um, Same thing with like hire uh, an assistant. Now I have to come up with jobs that she has to do or doing what like finding out what she she can work on and giving her task and all these things. And then suddenly like you're creating new problems at the same time as you're solving something. Mm -hmm. So often a misconception, like you said, it's we believe reaching this milestone will solve our problems. Like being as good as Jessica Hish will like make it easy. So we'll always have jobs coming in. We'll always have work uh, lined up, uh, clients that are willing to pay and all that. And, And even I loved what you said as well. It's like, like you don't have that imposter syndrome as soon as you're at that level. Still to the, to this day, I still am very certain of of my imposter syndrome, especially after I watched Ken Barber um, doing a workshop mm-hmm. at Letter West earlier this year. And I felt like I really have no idea what I'm doing, like my what my profession actually is, because everything he talked about, I don't know what he talked about really. So it was all like new to me stuff? and I felt really, yeah, like this is why you do this. This is why you do mm-hmm. that. This is like these lines and like all these technical turns. And I'm like, this guy knows what he's talking about. <laughs> I zero. And I'm doing a workshop later on. Mm, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, to that point you were making too about, you know, again, reaching the level and, you know, everything being good. And I also love how much love Jessica Hish is getting in this episode. Super approve of it. Yeah. Um, she's the best. But Yeah. On that same note, you know, thinking that like once I reach this, everything will be good. Like one thing that I wish I could go back and tell myself or what I wish I knew is that what somebody else has isn't necessarily better than what I have. It's just all perspective. Like like we were talking about, you only Mm -hmm. see the highlight reel on someone's portfolio or Instagram. And 
Yeah. As a young designer, when I was still in school, looking at, uh, you know, more established designers' portfolios and looking at, you know, when social media, Instagram came around, I used to think, you know, what they have, the clients they have, the life they have, the following they have, that is so much better than what I have. And they must be Mm -hmm. that much happier or that's so much greater. Like, you know, if I had a thousand followers and someone had 10,000, they must be 10 times more successful or like happier wait, than wait, I am. Wait, 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 wait. Oh. Are you not happy? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking about when I was 20 years old. Oh, I am yeah, very happy. Thank you for checking in on me though. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just, I'm just thinking like <laughs> this, this joke of like, well, of course people will think that you've got it all. You've figured it out. You've have a successful life. Again, we're just human. We have our problems. We have our doubts. We feel insecure uh, from time to time. And we have creative blocks. We're not sure how we're going to solve everything. That's that's kind of the, the reality of life. Yeah, like no matter how you look at things, there's always another side to it. And and got to be aware of, of, like you said, like like even at at when you're young, even now that like I'm still looking to others and still feeling the same thing. Like, ooh, this guy has now two million subscribers on YouTube, so he must be <laughs> doing well. Everything is sorted out. But like, I catch my thinking and I realize, you know what? Again, misconception: having more followers, having more business, having reaching your goals, uh, achieving your milestones. Like, it's not necessarily what is going to bring you. The, the greatest joy. Yes, and, totally agree. And so we need, I need definitely to, to make sure that I, I, I think of the misconceptions that are still lying ahead. Um, this is something where I wanted to steer the conversation is we are where we are now, but, and, and we cannot change the past, but we can reflect on it, but we can also reflect on the future, use the past to use that for our future and feel uh, like, think of, all right, I've had all these misconceptions what other misconceptions misconceptions are there out there that I might think are still true that I need to maybe change? And there are still plenty. Totally. But this is kind of where where I feel this this talk will go is not only just to see like what have I learned, but even taking the next step is like, how do I prevent, how do I look in front, <laughs> kind of like taking the step and you're like, ooh, you know, I dodged this bullet. Even if I would think like, oh, Lauren, Lauren's got it all figured out because she is talking at Adobe Max. I can catch myself like, you know what? This is a misconception because there's <laughs> a great part of it. There is like there's this big honor that she gets to do this. And, and I'm super excited for her. But I know that there comes a challenge as well. It's like preparing, taking the time. Um, you mm-hmm. get this moment on stage, but then you go down and it's like a friend once said, he's like, you need to check yourself how you feel when you get down from stage because that feeling is the one that is stronger that's going to last longer than the one while you're on stage where everything is great where you can crowd surf these are short moments short-lived and regular life takes over afterwards like every famous person has to go to the toilet still (laughs) i think that's a nice A nice reminder. That's such a funny grounding thought of like anytime you think someone has more than you or they must be this much happier or more more successful or have no problems that at the end of the day, everyone poops. And has to wipe their butts. (laughs) 
there's a there's a saying in uh, English about how um, there are people who think that uh, their like shit uh-huh. doesn't stink. No one is immune mm-hmm. to life, basically, like you said. Um, and yeah, I think back to that, like you know, getting to have all these opportunities, like reflecting on the past but thinking to the future. Like one thing that I've learned from the past that I want to bring with me to the future is reminding myself, like we were talking about earlier, to honor my pace and that, and to know that I'm doing my best and any progress forward Mm -hmm. is good. Like I just need to keep moving forward and not getting too stuck in the past or stuck dwelling on what should I do? Which road should I take? And I just need to keep moving forward, keep acting. And, but yeah, like moving, moving forward into the future, that same uh, thought about taking my time or knowing that I'm going at the right pace Combined with following my gut, I think, is what I have to remind myself of as I progress and as I keep going. Those are the thoughts that I want to bring because even I, like as someone who's accomplished a lot of the things that I wanted to accomplish, you know, five, 10 years ago, I've reached that point where like, cool, I'm doing the thing. I did it. That feels great. But that, you know, great feeling, like you said, on stage is short lived because once that buzz and the excitement dies down, it's like, okay, now what? Or like, what's next? Um, Where am I going? And Sometimes I Mm -hmm. feel like I'm not going fast enough and I feel like I'm not doing enough or is this the right decision? I don't know. Um, And I just have to remind myself that I'm going Mm -hmm. at the the pace that is right for me. Um, This actually Mm -hmm. reminds me of a story. Uh, When I was in college, my friend Sophie and I were at a party and I got so drunk, like ridiculously drunk. And I was, I I was crying. Oh, now I was the cliche crying drunk girl. And I was telling her about how I, the guy I was dating was great, but I think I was still in love with my ex-boyfriend and she was super drunk too. And she said the most profound thing to me though, that I still quote, I'd say at least once a month to this day, it's a really great way to look at life. She, just as drunk as I was, came and gave me a hug and she was like, shh, shh, it's okay, it's okay. He's right for right now. Like, you will figure it out. He's right for right now. You didn't make this awful decision because you're with your boyfriend now. It's just, you need to figure out what you want and adjust accordingly. She didn't say that last part because she was too drunk to say that. But And I love that. And I it's applied to so many other areas of my life. And I always, it was just so honest and human and like true that- what you're doing now, where you're at is right for right now. And you are just going to keep moving forward and living your life and learning new things. And you have to just trust that where you're at is right for right now, because let's say you did have that overnight success and you woke up tomorrow morning with a million Instagram followers or a million YouTube followers, that would probably feel cool for a second, but then you'd be like, oh my gosh, like, how do I manage all of this? And like all these expectations and if you jump from where you are now to the thing you're working towards, you know, automatically, your life prepares you for that moment as you go. Like you're going at the right pace because if you did it overnight, you wouldn't have all the knowledge mm-hmm. or the foundation to be able to handle your biggest, wildest dreams. Like if you just know that all the little victories and all the little steps that you're taking now are in pursuit of, you know, your bigger goals and will set the foundation Mm -hmm. for your bigger goals. You need that foundation in order to support your biggest wildest dreams. Yeah, what you do in the shadows prepares you to what you'll do in the limelights, like on stage. Oh my gosh, that sounds like a quote from like a movie of like, 
a father like giving right. his son some like sage wisdom. I if love Peter it. Peter Parker in, in uh, Spider-Man was like sitting down with his dad mm -hmm. and he would give him that talk. You know what you do. Yeah, no, we, I've heard it so many times in church because it's it, we, we feel like it's it's really important to talk about this in uh, like that the stage is not where you shine. It's more like, you, you know, the time that it takes to prepare in the shadows is, is so important that when you hit the, the mm -hmm. stage light that you'll be ready like any musician who practice hours and hours and hours on on the guitar, like he won't just like go up on stage and be like, you know what, I should be practicing now. So I'm just going to play those chords and try to hit those notes, which is something why I feel like we as artists have a a really bad rep for for practicing if we compare it to musicians, because musicians, as you know, you'll they'll like practice the same thing over and over again. They'll they'll do this till they they nail it. And I feel like I, and I'm going to be talking about it myself, but I've noticed that with me is that I will draw something and then we'll give it away or like post it on Instagram and like put it out. And it's kind of like you're putting out your practicing sessions and you're putting them online and people can then go and like it. Oh. I don't spend enough time practicing what I do, like going through the techniques, going through the things that I do. And, and maybe it's really such a different thing that it shouldn't be done. But this is a, a thing, might be also a thing for another topic or another time, but practicing right in the shadows where no one can see. Like, you, I'm not going to wait till I get the next gig, the next job, and then start doing something. Um, with photography, the same thing. Like, I used to go on weddings, shooting weddings, and, and taking pictures, but I wouldn't go home and practice. I, I use, like, every wedding to better my craft and kind of on their expense... So there's this thing where I feel like, mm -hmm. how can we get better at doing what we do? But I feel like we're going off topic on this one. Um, I've never heard that comparison of how musicians practice to how like visual artists practice, because you're so right. Like very rarely, I, I don't think it was maybe college was the last time I really iterated on the same piece and improved it over and over. Um, once you, once you get the base level skills of like lettering in my, in my case, you just keep producing, you know, pieces that you sketch, you make, and then you ship it out into the world mm -hmm. and then you don't ever really revisit it. That's so interesting. I, that could be kind of a cool thing of to try to practice like a musician because musicians play the same songs over and over again, band practice in the garage, like until they get mm -hmm. it right and that they, they can do it in their sleep. Like if you play in a band, you won't practice necessarily the whole song over and over again. They will practice the the transitions of those songs somebody will lead into the next song kind of like do a transition kind of like when we practice like a style um if we nail a style or we've we've worked on that style over and over again we can incorporate that into any part that we draw or design so i feel like that's where your level if you're good enough is is to actually be able to draw and just make things and, and come up with these things as you go without having to think about it too much. Yeah, that's interesting, the, the parallels. Like, cause I've always, I was just thinking about my own advice I've given people of like sharing, sharing your yeah. work, even if it's not good enough yet, like like mm -hmm. sharing the, the practice, like sessions basically. But that is, it's not that you shouldn't share the practice sessions, but I, the repetition is something I've never thought about. This British philosopher, Alan Watts, I think I was watching some YouTube videos. He made a really good point about 
he was talking about work and play and he used a music analogy of when we talk about music, you say, you know, you play the piano, you don't work the piano. And I think that that's a big difference between how we talk about music and the work that we do, like the art that we make is we talk about like working on a piece. Um, and I really liked how, I guess, romantic the idea of interchange, like swapping out the word mm-hmm. work for play, like play mm-hmm. is practice um, and taking some of the pressure off of visual artists to, you know, keep their head down and put in the work and like, you know, the, the work is a is appropriate and is a good word. But if we approach it as playing, like necessary play in order to practice and grow, it makes it a lot easier to, I think, mm-hmm. get excited about it. Yeah, it was same thing for the business side. Uh, somebody said like, ask yourself whether you're working on your business or for your business. Mm, that's funny. My uh, my boyfriend Tom oh, yeah? just told me that same quote a couple like weeks ago, and I was like, it blew my mind. I was like, whoa, that to me just reminded me of everything we were talking about because, yeah, it it really is that kind of remembering that those small wins and those small bits of progression that is what building a creative life and career is. Like that's all it's made up of. Um, very few people have overnight success, and even if they have overnight success, like we've talked about, it can be jarring and it's not always this golden ticket. It is in a lot of ways, but mm-hmm. it comes with these all these other things to consider. And so Stefan and I say, you are doing a great job. And don't let that feeling of I'm not going fast enough get you down and stop you from progressing because mm-hmm. I wouldn't be speaking at Adobe Max had I not spoken at 30 other smaller events, like gradually increasing in scale and visibility. Um a hope, a wake-up call for anyone out there who's feeling like frustrated that things are not moving fast enough. You know you're on a great path right now. Uh, take things slow. Don't stress things. And just like enjoy those moments. It's like as soon as you'll hit one milestone, you'll want the next one. And that's where <laughs> this Formula One driver comes in mind where it's like, you know what? I want to achieve this goal. And after that, I quit continuing to be better and or being the best and driving, he should still do it. If someone feels like they are, they hit their goal and they want to stop now and do something else, that is totally valid too. I think it's important no matter what stage you are in your career. And this is advice I'm giving myself to for the future, like to always take a step back and evaluate, is this still fun and enjoyable and satisfying for me? And if it's not, I have all the power to change that and, uh, you know, change the course of the direction of my career. But as long as it's still enjoyable, like keep doing your thing. It's, it's, I feel like in the overall scheme of Mm -hmm. things, it's so hard to find things that you enjoy doing for a long time. And when you find those things, you have to, you know, hold on to them. And, uh, they, something that is serving you now and bringing you joy now might not bring you the same joy in five or 10 years. And that's also okay. But you just have to always tap into what is bringing you that satisfaction and what is, I guess, satiating uh, that creative Mm -hmm. hunger that you have inside of you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Striving Artist Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to share it on social media. It would help us a lot if you could also rate, review, and subscribe to the Striving Artist Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and or SoundCloud. This also helps us in ranking the show and would be greatly appreciated. We would love to hear from you via email, DM, or even voice message on Anchor. We'll see you in the next one. Bye.